0: Continuing our series in Genesis, and uh, today we're looking at the subject of Cain and Abel, which we find it in Genesis chapter four. And uh, the title I've been given, rather interestingly, is the Heart of Worship. Um, very interesting title to have with the story of Cain and Abel. So, just before we get to the story of Cain and Abel, I was thinking about this a few weeks ago, and I, I just cleaned my teeth before going to bed. So it's a very spiritual moment, and. Uh, I was thinking about this, and this thought just dropped into my head. I don't know if I've read it somewhere, but it was this The heart of worship is the simplicity of delighting in God. The heart of worship is the simplicity of delighting in God. We worship the God of the Bible, we believe He is God, three in one. <laughs> Three persons, one person, it's a mystery. But he is God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Utter perfection and utterly delighting in himself. Until I read a lot of Piper, can't you? (laughs) And God invites us also into that relationship to delight in him, to delight in those three persons of God. Back in 1646, I don't know if anyone was there. No, he's not looking. <clears throat> <laughs> all right, Fred? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. But English and Scottish theologians got together at Westminster, in the Westminster Assembly. And they came up with this phrase that is called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'm sure you've all got it on your fridge. Um, it's probably worth putting it on the fridge, it says this, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The heart of worship is God himself. It's for us to meditate and to revel in the very person of God, to revel in the nature of and the character of God the wonder of his creation the wonder of creativity a God who is love a God who is justice a God who is full of compassion a God of redemption a God of grace this is worship to meditate and to revel in God who he is now the heart of worship well it's not good music. I mean, we've had some good music this morning. It's not about nice songs that that rhyme well and and make us feel good. And yet the Bible does talk about music in, in, in the Bible. The Bible does talk about music in the Bible. In Revelation, we see great worship. We see great song going on. That's in heaven. On earth, in the Psalms and in Chronicles, we see great worship going on. But I believe the root of worship is the very flawless and the very faultless perfect character of the Godhead. It all comes down to God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So that's just a little preamble just to just get us focused. Because sometimes whenever you come to a subject, the first best focus is God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, not the issue. So let's read Genesis chapter 4, 1 to 16. Now Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also bought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Amen. (laughs) Cain spoke to his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. What a desperate finish. What a desperate finish. What a desperate finish, friends. I mean, really, that is awful, isn't it? To go away from the presence of the Lord and to be sent by God. You see, at the beginning, Adam had a perfect relationship, a perfect union with God. They walked and they talked in the garden. And sin came, it spoiled, it divided that relationship, as David shared with us last week. And yet, God didn't abandon his creation, God didn't abandon Adam and Eve. Already, he was making a way to draw them back. He continues to speak with Adam and he even speaks with Cain. Amazing, isn't it? No matter how much people fail God, he still speaks to them. He still, here, here are two people who have called, committed the most terrible acts of sin and yet God continues to speak to them, shows his grace. Adam and Eve had everything, everything, but they were tempted And deceived into believing that they needed more. (laughs) I simply say to you, friends, do not fall into that trap. We believe we need more. All we need is God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Word of God, one another. Anything else? it's not good. We don't need to get our fulfillment anywhere else except from the person of God himself. Now just jumping ahead a little bit, if you just want to pull out Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5, at some stage we will probably get to this, but interesting we're looking at the heart of worship and yet the word worship is not actually used in this scripture first time worship is, the word worship is actually used in the Bible is Genesis 22 and verse 5. Very interesting scenario. We have Abraham, who uh, is a godly man. Just, God just chooses him because he does. He has two sons. He has a son of promise. And after many, many years, he now has a son of promise. And God says to him, go and sacrifice your son on Mount Moriah. Whew. So he walks off to Mount Moran after three days. He stops there with Isaac and the servant. And uh, he says, the the father, Adam, Abraham, says to the servant, in verse 5, here we go. It says, he left the young man and said, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy, there's the donkey again. Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and we will come to you imagine saying i'm going to worship and that involves sacrificing your own son it's absolutely incredible now hebrews 11 tells us that abraham believed that god could even raise isaac from the dead phenomenal isn't it but worship costs and there is a price to pay we talked about hebrews 11 if you just want to slip over to that briefly Because verse 4 gives us a little bit more of an insight into the story of Cain and Abel. I've looked at a number of Bible commentaries about this. And um, why did Cain and Abel act differently? A little bit unclear. I've got some thoughts I'm going to share this morning, but uh, they're only thoughts uh, do look at the word for yourself but here this Hebrews 11:4 is very helpful it says by faith Abel offered to God a more exact, a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous God commended him by accepting his gifts and through his faith though he died he still speaks brothers and sisters when we die which we will my prayer is that our faith will still speak to the next generation. The generations that come behind us, the second, third, fourth generation behind us, they will, won't just see that we were good people, but they will see our faith in Jesus Christ. So back to Genesis. Abel clearly had an understanding that because of his father's sin, he couldn't just walk into God's presence anymore. God didn't come down... I'm walk in the garden for a chat anymore. There was covering, and as David explained last week about covering, which is very helpful, just that, that vulnerability because they were in the presence of God. Yet somehow Abel seemed to get it that there needed to be a sacrifice to come into the presence of God. And that maybe blood sacrifice was the most appropriate way. Now we're not told. As hard as I've researched, we're not told anywhere that God told Abel Abel, that he must bring a blood sacrifice, so I can't tell you why he did. But maybe there was something in him that knew that blood had to be shed for relationship to be restored, and you can see where that's going. He had some understanding that the death of one would make a way for another. Maybe this was part he saw a tiny bit of God's redemptive plan. And the same is true today. We say, oh, come to God, you know, and he loves you and he wants to look after you and cuddle you. We can't just saunter into the presence of God. He is a holy God. He cannot look upon us because we have a sinful nature. We are born sin, the Bible tells us. It's when God opens our heart, opens our eyes, and we see the sacrifice of Jesus. The blood that was shed, very old-fashioned, but through the blood that was shed has now made a way for us to come into God's presence. Abel maybe had a tiny glint of that. Today, we are the other side of the cross, and we can see that through his sacrifice, Jesus has made a way for all to be welcomed and come into the presence of God. Who killed the first animal? How many many votes for God? Put your hand up. You are right, I think. Not that I'm right. (laughs) Very interesting. If you just drop back to where we were last week, uh, Genesis 3 verse 21, it says this. uh, Adam and Eve have sinned and God is pronouncing a curse on them. And uh, and then it goes on down, and it says in verse twenty-one, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his uh, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin, and clothed them. Isn't that amazing? Where did God get the skin from? There was a shedding of blood to provide a covering. Again, do get David's word if you missed it to cover that guilt, to cover that vulnerability to make them able to come into the presence of God God in his grace shed blood to make a way so maybe that's why Abel sacrificed an animal maybe he got something I believe that, that Abel in the shedding the animal's blood he was admitting that he was a sinner he was admitting that he'd fallen short his offering was total it was costly and it was humbling Abel, I believe, was showing that there was nothing he could do of himself but just to bring this as a simple act of faith. And Hebrews says that, that even though he died, his faith still speaks. How powerful is that? He bought the first of his flock. He bought the best. Again, this sacrifice was one of atonement. A picture again of Jesus coming, God giving his very best in giving us his only and his precious son, this wonderful son, this lamb of God, who sacrificed himself. It was a picture of what Jesus was going to do, lay his life down, that all could be welcomed through Jesus to come back to that relationship with God. Abel was a humble, a godly man. He understood grace and he understood the importance of a relationship with God. But now we come on to Cain. Now he recognised that worship was important. He brought his sacrifice first. You see, he was the firstborn. That was the right thing to do. But I don't think he put a lot of effort and a lot of thought into it. You just get a sense of a lack of grace and a lack of patience in this man's life. Which is not bad, considering he was the first person to be born on earth. And yet he was impatient no grace. It all just seemed a bit too much of an effort for him. Cain did the minimum. Now, he knew he needed to worship, but there's no sense of grace with what he did in his offerings or his actions. He did it because he had to. There's no sense of him longing for a relationship with God. With, with, with Cain, it's more I'll do the bare minimum and if it goes wrong, I still expect God to bail me out. Oh, put a mark on me, protect me, don't let anyone kill me. He kind of wants it both ways. He doesn't want a relationship that's going to cost him anything. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's how it appears to me. He knows he has to worship, so what am I going to bring? I know what? I'll bring some plants, some food from the ground. And look what Genesis 3 and chapter 17 says. This is God speaking to Adam when he's getting his comeuppance for sin. He said, because you listen to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days Of your life. He, you could argue, bought something that was cursed as an offering to God. It can't slip into too dangerous territory, but the only way we can come to God, we can do our good works and there is a common grace, something I've been trying to learn about over the last year, but the only way we can be pleasing to God is to come on our knees and say, Jesus Christ, take over my life become saviour of my life let me follow you it is the only way good works and so forth charity fantastic good common grace that's good but the only way is through jesus christ jesus the god of the bible so cain starts this slide into misery and difficulty and although not the the main core of the word i'd just like to slip on slip this in Look at at Cain's slide from relating to God to where he got to. Firstly, his attitude towards God was casual and it was thoughtless. He was angry when his minimal efforts were rejected. He became angry and resentful towards God and his brother. The frightening thing is the anger in his heart moved into murder in action. It starts so small and can get so big. Fifthly, he had to bear his own punishment. And yet again, sixthly, he still benefited from God's grace and protection. Despite what he'd done, God still said, I will protect you and I will care for you. And finally, his behaviour carried wider consequences for himself and his brother. And I would argue for us because he perpetuated the sin. What if Abel had lived and they both sacrificed animals? I don't know. This is what the Bible commentator Matthew Henry says. It should come up there for you. And this is in the notes, so you can find it there. The way to sin is downhill and men go from bad to worse. Those who do not sacrifice well are careless and remiss in their devotion to God. They expose themselves to the worst of temptations and perhaps the most scandalous sin lies at the door. Those who do not keep God's ordinances are in danger of committing all abominations. A bit old-fashioned but when you get behind that and you can look at Leviticus 18.30 that unpacks a little bit more. But there's a slippery slide which Cain was on From a lack of effort, a lack of worship, a lack of really respecting God, down to murder. It's not good. In verse fourteen, Cain was in anguish because he said, Your face shall be hidden from me. He suddenly has a horror and a terror of the consequences of the action that he's taken. And yet and yet, despite that, God says, I'll protect you. God is so gracious. He is is faithful when I remain faithless. And as we said, this most tragic verse, verse 16. And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And Nod isn't a lovely little sleepy place children go, as you'll probably see at the bottom of your Bible. It's a place of wandering, a place of being lost, never finding a home. This desperate story, but through it all there is, the, there is the call of redemption. Abel had a vague understanding of, what, of blood sacrifice and now with Easter coming up we have a bigger revelation, a fuller picture rather, of what the cross means. It's good news today that no matter what you've done there is a way back through Jesus Christ. Just to put this one out there, and I'm not going to stay here a long time because I'd like to do a a year series on this. (laughs) Not. Verse 7, it said, uh, verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. I don't know if you've ever heard the fiery preacher preach on this one anyone ever heard Dave you must have heard it which one (laughs) is but it's in the Bible just to say what sin has its desire over you what sin is crouching at the door not trying to be heavy just putting it out there we all have our weaknesses I've mentioned to two or three people before. For us men, we have the three W's. It's not cell group. We have the three W's. Wine, women and wealth. One of those might get you. So just guard the door, fellas. Ladies, I don't know. Probably low self-esteem and so forth. But it's crouching at the door trying to get us. And we must master it. How? With the word of God, the spirit of God and by the grace of God. And sometimes just making a downright decision I'm not going down that route. Lord help me. You don't get a round of applause, but believe me, in the long run, it's better. <laughs> Just the thought how often have we been angry with God when actually we're reaping what we've sown? Sometimes we can be angry with God and we should actually be angry with ourselves. <laughs> but there is hope. <laughs> There is hope because God is a God of grace. Jesus has made the atoning sacrifice. Harder of worship, I believe, is this. It's not to come to God with the bare minimum or begrudgingly. And I'm not going down the route of do you lift your hands in worship and do you make the effort to come prepared. You know, That's between individuals and God. Just the main thing in our heart, do we give God the bare minimum? Or do we come humbly saying Lord I'm in need of your grace I'm in need of your redemption because both will carry a consequence Psalm 11 and verse 7 says this for the Lord is righteous he loves righteous deeds the upright shall behold his face hallelujah to truly worship God we worship him On his terms. We confess our sinfulness before God. We ask for forgiveness which he won for us on the cross. We can receive Jesus into our life. We can be filled and equipped with his Holy Spirit. We can ask God to help us say thank you. To be grateful and have gratitude to God. For what he has done. Happy, uh, sorry, grateful in our heart, in our voice and in our lifestyle. Just as I finish, what should every preacher finish with? No. No. Uh, any, any more coffee? Every preacher should finish with some Japanese. Is, is, have I missed the point? Have I gone wrong? Yeah. Oh dear. Okay. Perhaps John's son will be able to um, and daughter-in-law will be able to shed some light. This week I've been reading about the life of Shoshuka Endo. Yeah? Japanese guy. This is not on the overhead because I didn't want to lose people. Just remember Jesus loves you. Go to the cross. Blood sets you free. Remember that one. This is a little freebie. There are two words in Japanese. Only two. <laughs> one, I apologise for the Um, Apologise for the diction. The first word is tatame. It means what others see of you from the outside or outside reason. The other word is hone. It means what takes place within a person or their real intent. So tatame is your kind of public position, how you're seen. And hone is the real intent. What kind of makes you what you are? Google it for further details. You see, we cannot just live our life in tatame. What people see from the outside. Well, I'm going to go with the crowd. I've come here for 40 years, so I'm going to keep doing it. Or I'm new to this church, so i better do that because everyone else is doing it. That's tatame. But hone, on the inside, what is the real intent? Because God looks upon the heart we can't play act before him and i'm not saying that the outward is always bad either or we're trying to make ourselves look better than we are it's just that god sees so much more than we see the outside he sees what's within maybe for the very first time it's time to humble yourself and ask jesus to become lord and savior of your life Start a journey of worshipping him. Or maybe, and this is the one that I've kind of felt highlighted. I've tried to run away from it, but I felt highlighted. Is that, what is the real intent? We know how we look on the outside, but what's the real intent? And I was just reminded this morning about Jesus, when he's speaking to the churches in Revelation. And uh, again, this isn't in the notes, because this is quite fresh. But Revelation... Chapter 3, most people would know it quite well. In Verse 20, written to Christians. So written, if you're a Christian, a nominal Christian, this is written to us. Jesus speaks, he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Throw in the next one, which helps with the sin at the door. Here we go. And to the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus has won the victory. Once again, we've heard it many times, but I believe, if you're a Christian, I believe even this morning. And to me, God is knocking again on the door of my heart. And he's saying, Julian, are you tatame or hone? (laughs) Is it all on the outside? Or uh, am I doing a work within? Steve was praying at the beginning of the service about doors being rusty. And we're looking at the rusty doors. Just the oil of the Holy Spirit just loosens off rusty doors. I think there's some doors of joy that are locked away that have got a bit rusty through life. (laughs) Which the Holy Spirit wants to pour oil on to loosen those doors open I believe Jesus is knocking at the doors of our heart this morning and just saying can I do some more surgery on the inside (laughs) I put some more background reading in the notes and so forth you might have to pull out for, for cell group Cain and Abel, the heart of worship. The heart of worship, I believe, is the simplicity of delighting in God. You know, God really loves you this morning. If you're listening to this download, God really loves you. He loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And the only way to get a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ and letting him become Lord of your life. And to us who've been walking a long time this walk, The invitation from the Lord again is Jesus just knocks on the door and says, you know, open that door again. (laughs) Let's be refreshed. Let's come to God refreshed. And let's ask God to help us with the sin that is crouching at the door. It's not something to be frightened of. It's something we can talk to God about, share with brothers and sisters where we need help and help people to pray with us. And also I'm just reminded of of what Jenny shared with us in the word about standing on the rock when all the storms are crashing and bashing around. We've been in Cornwall this week and we've seen some very big seas crashing against rocks. The power is really quite immense. But those rocks are very solid. And Jesus is a very solid rock that we can build our lives on. Just pray and then I'll hand back to David and Steve. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you that you have given us your word, the word of God, which is life. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to work on these words, Lord. Work in our hearts, Father. Lord Jesus, where the door has been rusted up, pour the oil of your spirit, I pray, Father, that we can open the door to let you come in to bring refreshment. And Lord, where sin knocks on the door, crouches seeking to get us, Lord, we want to come before you and say, thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That Jesus, you have overcome the world. In our faith, we can overcome too. Father, thank you. Continue to work by your Holy Spirit in our lives, I pray. Amen. Amen.